Welcome to the Red, White, and Blue Flags F1 Podcast. I'm Ryan Vasquez. And I'm Steve McNally, and we are your home for F1 racing on this side of the pond. On today's show, we have our reactions to an insane 2023 Australian Grand Prix. We'll talk about if Mercedes is back, or are they in trouble? And do we have three sets of teammates at war with each other? And of course, stay tuned to the end of the pod to see if our Magic 8-Ball has got our predictions right. But we start at the end. And once again, we find ourselves at the end of a race questioning what, who, where, where, where are people finishing? Is, is, do we have official results when the race is over? Do we have to wait for another revision? Um, is someone going to get yoked off the podium like on the gong show? <laughs> um, it, it's it's a, a bittersweet ending to, you know, what for the most part was a great race. Right, and I know some teams are still shaking off the rust this early in the season, but it looks like the officials are too. We've just had so much, I guess, inconsistency with the officiating. So we heard it with Fernando Alonso in the last race. You know, races should not be figured out hours after the race, especially when you have the opportunity to maybe fix those problems in race, especially on penalties and things like that. And it's just, it's odd that we have this many, I think it just increases by the week now, Steve, the the protests at the end of the race by teams. And it's more and more teams are getting into the action on, we're not happy with the way this race was essentially officiated. Yeah. I mean, it seems like all the litigation happened pretty quickly, uh, maybe too quickly for Carlos Sainz, who who was begging and pleading. (laughs) Uh, to have his have his day in front of the jury, essentially to plead his case. But uh, you know, let, let's let's talk about the scenario of of what happened. You know, we have uh, you know six or so laps remaining in the race, and we got Kevin Magnuson driving into the sun and clips the wall. Seemingly, an innocuous amount of contact just completely blows the tire off of his car, and you know, his car's trundling down the track and his tires separated and now his, his wheel rim is, is, you know, obliterating and it's being spread across the track. And, you know, looking at the situation with five laps left, a lot of time you'll see a safety car come out and essentially that's, you know, what, what the situation would call for. They decided to go red flag and they said it's because of the debris across the track everyone was a little bit surprised on, on them pulling the trigger on the red flag where the people involved, i.e. the team principals and, and the drivers thought that this is typical safety car territory where you can have people out there on the track, clean it up. It doesn't necessitate a red flag. Cause it seems like it's, you know, produced for TV. We want a, a grandstand finish. So what a better way to do it than take this opportunity to, to have a red flag. And, you know, Max said as much. He felt like it shouldn't have been a red flag. It should have been a long caution. It would have created the environment that would have been a bit safer with a rolling start instead of what they ended up with, which I guess precipitated another red flag, if you will. He felt like there shouldn't have been any red flags in this race and that it would have been a lot easier and the racing would have been cleaner. And, I mean, fair enough. I, you know... uh, I understand somewhat why they red flagged it because they wanted to have a good race. They wanted to not give an advantage. But, you know, we we saw certain people get screwed over by flags uh, this whole race, right? It just uh, it happens. I mean, that's the way racing is. Uh, red flags throw a little bit more chaos into things. So I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt on that second red flag. Uh, because of the type of debris, the first red flag was essentially for gravel. I, I, I think you can get that swept up under a normal safety car. Uh, I know everyone is very concerned about punctures. This track has gotten faster and faster since they've added an extra DRS zone in there. Um, and the wheel rim parts are, are like a different kind of metal than what you're going to see is typical carbon fiber bit. So definitely something you don't want to take a chance on, especially after seeing what, you know, happened to Max and, and Lance in 2021 in Baku, which is having uh, tire failures at 200 miles an hour. So I can cut them some slack on that red flag. I think it was just opportunistic, if anything. There's nothing, uh, you know, devious about it. They, they saw an opportunity to, to throw a red flag for safety, and it just so happened to work out that it was going to give us another start. Uh, 
Yeah, I don't feel devious. I feel like just in a, you know just uh, unwanted, inopportune, um, overcautious maybe. Uh, just questioning their judgment, not necessarily like why are they doing it? Is it to do something underhanded? It's just like why are they cautious in some instances? Why are they not in others? And you know, I know George Russell's plan got screwed over by that first red flag. His his pitch strategy didn't matter ultimately, but I mean, like those are the kinds of things that happen when you you like you're going through something you're like this is not a red flag situation and then bam they hit you with a red flag right that right. that's what sucks yeah i i think um you know everyone who watches and obviously everyone involved is just looking for some kind of sense of consistency uh i mean we we go back as always to abu dhabi 2021 because that seems to be such a, a touchstone for this sport right now as far as you, you know the the, the dawn of the drive to survive era, all the new eyes on the sport, the bad taste that it left in everyone's mouth uh, after that race and the willingness to never have to return to a, situ- to a situation like that and repeat that, that they, they needed to um, almost overreact. So Abu, Abu Dhabi, if, in case you somehow didn't know, uh, there, there was a caution uh, a crash with uh, several laps to go. It seemed like there would not be enough time to restart the race based on the rules that were in place at the time. Cars unlapping themselves and needing an additional lap in order to complete that process. They decided to give it one more lap. Didn't unlap every car, just a certain number of cars, just enough in some people's mind. And they didn't want to... <sighs> Essentially, it was the championship race, and they didn't want it to end under a safety car. People just trundling around at sixty miles an hour without a chase for uh, without a chance for someone to race for the lead. Um, but and, an arbitrary decision that again, seemed yes. to benefit one competitor right. over another, right? Right, and, because and then, Max uh, pitted and was on fresher tires than Lewis was. Right. So then you know you look at the uh, Italian Grand Prix last year. Uh, six or seven laps to go. Six or seven laps to go. Uh, Daniel Ricardo has an engine failure. He pulls off to the side of the road. Safety car comes out, but they they have kind of a delayed response to getting his car off the track. It was an awkward spot. They couldn't get the uh, equipment there fast enough to remove the car, and that race finished under safety car. They didn't have any racing laps to end the race, and that left a bad taste in people's mouth so it's they either way they they cut it people weren't happy it's like no no, we don't want it to end under a caution without people racing we want to see racing laps unless they actually did that and it felt like it was contrived and uh you know unfairly benefited certain people so now they're kind of like stuck in this in-between space of like what do we do um and you know they look back to baku 2021 where they had a red flag at the end of the race, uh, but one that you couldn't argue because Max's car was shredded across the front stretch at the highest speed part of the track. There was no way to alleviate that situation, that, that situation without a red flag, but it gave us two amazing laps at the end of the race. Bunch of overtakes. Lewis goes and locks up in the first quarter. Checo wins. It was brilliant. I think they just had that in their mind of like, you know, if we could red flag it and have two racing laps, we could have something special like we had in Baku. Um, but I, I, I think there, there was kind of a, a, a critical error on the thinking of not just the FIA, but like all the drivers involved also. Because we, we had this weekend where in qualifying, people on soft tires were taking two, three, four laps on the same tires. And you didn't see that at other tracks where it's like you got one good shot on fresh rubber, but they had to really work in the temperature to the tires. So in the red flag, everyone went to softs because we got a two-lap shootout. I've got the opportunity to make up a bunch of places if I can. But they go out on this slow safety car, you know, quote-unquote formation lap, and they've, they've got to kind of trundle around and work tire uh, temperature in and clearly not enough of them did because Carlos Sainz couldn't stop Lance Stroll couldn't stop Logan Sargent couldn't stop Sergio Perez couldn't stop um, 
you know, it, it was a, a disaster because everyone's tires were too cold and it turned into uh, essentially bowling for cars in turn one. And we've seen this a few times, though, where they do this and the 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 tires aren't there and the restarts are dangerous. Like, you know, we we talk about safe restarts and we talk about safety because safety has been an issue over the past few seasons as much as it has been, uh, you know, competitive racing at the end of races. And, you know, certainly the drivers are not excited about this. Again, you know, Max brought it up that this was not, you know, a great way to restart the race at the end. And, you know, I, I understand to a certain extent um, there's a balance here, obviously. It's not a safe sport, but I mean, certainly, you know, one shouldn't be sacrificed for the other. We shouldn't be, you have to know. I mean, uh, I'm sorry. It seems like all the teams know. Why don't the officials know that this is probably not going to be great for tires, especially the way you're doing your formation lap. You're not giving them any chance to get these tires warm. Uh, it's going to be real fun. You know, it's like, yeah, screw it. That'll be fun. For, that'll be fun for, for racing until it turns into a red flag, right? Yeah. So. It, everyone's closed eyes, fingers crossed that everyone makes it through. Uh, and then everyone acts surprised when they don't, uh, which is why. And, and so going to that uh, lap 57 restart, which was the third start, if you will, of that race, um, you know, Carlos goes in too deep, clips Alonzo. Alonzo gets spun around. Gasly breaks late, goes off the track. He joins unsafely, cuts across, collects his teammate. Both the Alpines are out. Logan Sargent runs into the back of uh, Nick DeVries, and they both go into the gravel. Um, it's it's uh, anarchy. And they try to put the pieces back together and they have to go to trying to figure out where they need to put the cars in order. What What is the true running order now that um, essentially this whole thing's imploded? And they go to a rule that is uh, if you do not make it to the first sector, which is like the first checkpoint on the lap, and then there's a red flag that comes out, you have to reset to where the previous start was. And obviously there, there was a number of people not happy about that, uh, especially anyone who made it through that incident uh, cleanly. Uh, you know, Hulkenberg made it through. He was sitting there in fourth. Obviously, Carlos Sainz made it through. Um, Sonoda had got up uh, pretty high, uh, but the FIA came out and ruled. Race Control said, we need to go back to where it was when we restarted. Right. I mean, we, we have elements of this in other sports that you can play a lot of action or get a little bit down the road in a game or something like that. And if it doesn't hit a certain mark, then it like it didn't count. And that's a little unfortunate here because you're racing and it's part of racing is the restart. And then we don't get uh, it's such a cluster until you get to before the, that next like you know, check mark or time extension, if you will, uh, if you go back to your San Francisco rush driving days. Time but, extension. Yeah. Uh, or the Daytona racing game. Oh, my favorite. Anyhow, the until you get to that point, then you're like, oh, no, it doesn't count. We That was just for funsies. False start, right? It's, uh, it's unfortunate, you know, um, both ways, right? I mean, it's unfortunate for the teams that came through there. It's unfortunate that the teams, you know, shuffle around and waste their time to a certain extent. But right. so what's yeah. Yeah. But what's sad, Steve, is that this overshadows the actual race itself, right? Uh, I mean like at least the way it ended. The the controversy, right? You know, like who wins, who loses, who had some good days, who ended up kind of, you know, it just gets away from that a little bit. Yeah, what well, real quick before we touch on that though. Um, so we, we said the, the lap essentially didn't count because everyone had to go back to, to where they were. But to say the lap didn't count, it doesn't ring true for a handful of people involved. Because right. ultimately, uh, Carlos got a five-second penalty for uh, Spaniard-on-Spaniard contact, uh, which, you know, it wasn't lap one. But it was a restart, and and 
they tend to be lenient on these quote-unquote lap one incidents. Like, oh, it's a racing incident because the, the margins are so small, cars are so close together, the tires are cold. But they didn't seem to have any leniency here. Um, but on the same lap, you know, you have Pierre Gasly cuts across, takes out his teammate, no penalty, no penalty for Logan Sargent taking out Nick DeVries. Uh, so certainly in, in Ferrari's fans' minds and definitely Carlos's minds, he, he was pleading on the radio that that penalty was unfairly attributed to him. And because they finished under a safety car, a five second penalty meant he lost eight positions and ultimately took home no points. Yeah, which is unfortunate. It just compounds a terrible day for Ferrari. And, you know, I'm curious about this, Steve. I mean, I, I, there's probably something out there, although I've been doing some research today and I've had a hard time tracking some of this stuff down. But um, how often do teammates get penalized for taking each other out? It seems like there's no advantageous, like, opportunity there except for each other if you will it's not like one team taking out another or some sort of championship points thing or some sort of uh you know constructors points thing it seems to be like that's just one of those things where those idiots raced each other's and took each other out there's no penalty but how often do that does that factor in sometimes maybe in the mental calculus of these officials well you you know there's there's like on track penalties and then there's penalty points against your super license which are different things and it doesn't seem like Pierre got any of those in this case which is very lucky for him because he is on the absolute cusp of a race ban with his penalty points um, so we've seen it before with uh, Esteban Ocon and Sergio Perez when they were teammates Max Verstappen and Danny Ricardo when they were teammates taking each other out where Obviously, they're out of the race, so assessing them a penalty doesn't necessarily make a difference, but they receive penalty points on the super license essentially for dangerous driving or an unsafe release or joining a track unsafely. Um, so, but again, like if, if Carlos is going to get penalized, seemingly you would think other people making similar mistakes at the same part of the track at the same time would be. Um, but it, it, it ended up costing him, uh, ended up costing the Alpine drivers uh, because with cars that are destroyed, they can't restart the race. So their positions are now dropped down as well. Um, certainly to the benefit to Alpha Tower drivers, McLaren drivers, Alfa Romeo drivers. Um, so like, like I said, a lot of controversy at the end. I think a lot of people shaking their heads on how it was handled. Did it overshadow the race? Um, I don't know. Let's talk about that. I think the race got off to a phenomenal start because uh, George Russell got the start of dreams and, and led early, got in front of Max. And then, you know, unfortunately, he got, you know, uh, the, the wrong end of the deal by getting a, uh, a red flag. And then ultimately that meant, you know, Lewis took over the race lead. So he had Mercedes leading the race early. Um, and had some good action watching Sergio Perez charge through the field. I, I do think we had like a good 30 lap lull in the middle. That's when like Max is just driving away. He's got a yeah. 10, 11 second lead. Um, and it's like, be, because they all kind of went to this one stop strategy, we're going to go on hard tires for 50 laps. They're just all doing the bare minimum to maintain uh, the the tire consistency and they're not going to push too hard because the tire life has to laugh last and like if if that's the strategy you're not going to see good racing so it took you know a red flag at the end to really spice up what otherwise was kind of a you know a, a good race at the beginning but then the the pace and everything calmed down um you know i i think some standout performances were definitely there between you know Sergio and Carlos before he kind of ruined it at the end. George was doing great until his engine died, and you know certainly Lewis and and Fernando. Um, but I mean we're we're not going to talk about those things in this race ultimately for the the months and, and years to come. It's just going to be the uh, kind of shambles of an ending. 
Yeah, it's unfortunate. We had a champions podium, which was awesome. Uh, 11 champions on that podium, uh, championships on those podiums, and yeah. uh, a 12th one coming soon. Yeah, and, well, uh, also with uh, Jackie Stewart there handing out hardware, he added another three, so that, that was... I, it's a quite an interesting day, and, um, you know, it was nice to see three teams represented on the podium. It's always nice to see a little bit of variety in that sense. It was, uh, you know... Nice to see uh, McLaren show up to the party. Welcome, boys. Uh, you've been missing. Um, and some other folks get points today. And it was just, I know some of that was the chaos that ensued. But it was just nice to see some cars and some teams get a little bit right going into this lull before our fourth race. Yeah, I mean, I think certainly more than anybody, McLaren needed this race badly. Uh, they had a strong Australian Grand Prix last year. Uh but that, that was kind of like on pace. They, they were expected to be there, and they were. Uh, sometimes you just you need to benefit from chaos. You just need to have your car running. You need to have some reliability, and that will pay off sometimes. Um, I think I, I was a little surprised because this is one of those races like, you know, Hungary or, uh, you know, the Italian Grand Prix from a couple years ago where when you have a, you know, a Ferrari out on the first lap, a, a Red Bull starting at the back of the field, a Mercedes goes out with an engine failure. You expect like a very surprise podium or or someone really uh, unexpected in the top five. That ultimately didn't happen. Um, you know, you still kind of had Red Bull, Mercedes, Aston Martin, Aston Martin, Red Bull. You know, the, the three fastest teams were essentially in, in the top positions. Um, but... Plenty of teams picked up their first points this week. And uh, I believe uh, through three races, almost everyone on the grid has points except our two rookies. Um, and uh, it's you know kind of nice to see uh, all the teams be at least competitive enough to get into a top 10 this early. I think it's interesting, Steve, that last year, Red Bull, strong enough, had the pace to hang with Red Bull. Uh, at least on the track consistency did them in right um, you know quality you know the car just wasn't always consistently there um, seems like it's still not there now but that was the case and everybody was chasing and then a year later you just see it's Mercedes and Aston Martin seem to be competing with each other Red Bulls pulled away even further and Ferrari is a shambles and it's just weird to see that one year to, you know, I, I can expect growth and I can expect a little bit of, com, uh, of complacency, if you will. But to see Ferrari go backwards is disappointing, especially in to see Red Bull just run away. I, I, nothing against Red Bull. They've done a phenomenal job. They've been very competitive. It's just you like to see a little bit more, you know, parity. And also, I mean, do you want to watch a Red Bull win every race this year? <laughs> I mean, I guess if you're from the Netherlands, yes. Or or Mexico, right? Because we, we assume Checo will get some of those as well. Yeah, hopefully he picks up you know a fair bit more. Uh, if anyone's going to win in a Red Bull, him or Daniel Ricciardo, I'll take. <laughs> uh, but let, let's talk about the Ferrari disaster class that this uh, race was. Last year, Charles Leclerc on pole. Charles Leclerc leads every lap. Fastest lap and the win. Grand Slam. One of his best weekends in control. Dominant. This year, he makes it two corners. And then he's done. In the kitty litter. Um, and then, obviously, uh, we talked about what happened with Carlos. He had a great race. A lot of good overtakes. Maintaining pace with the faster teams. But ultimately, out uh, undone by uh, a mistake at the end. Uh, but you know, their their issues started in qualifying because they only qualified um, fifth and seventh, which actually Carlos out qualified Charles. So you know, good on him there. But fifth and seventh is not where they want to be. Uh, there was some talk that this is kind of on the team because they didn't do a good enough job. Again, talking about working in their tires into that, you know, temperature window that they need to be at. And they were like one lap short on their tire preparation. So their last lap that they did, uh, you know, down a couple tenths from where they expected to be. So starting fifth and seventh already 
kind of in the middle of the pack, not where they wanted to be. Uh, ultimately, that was fatal to Charles because, you know, running in that uh, traffic, he got clipped by Lance Stroll, sent into the gravel, his day done. Uh, <laughs> essentially, before he was able to break any kind of sweat. Right, and you know, we we discussed it at the open. Uh, do you feel like this means Mercedes is back, right? I know Toto kind of cautioned against any of, like, uh, early rush to this in, you know, even a second-place finish for Lewis uh, is still hampered a little bit holistically with a, you know, issue with the car with George, who was also having a fairly good race himself. Um, so, you know, is this good for Mercedes or is there some trouble? Because usually we don't see this car issue with them. I mean, maybe it doesn't perform like it wants, but it's not like it's on the side of the road 20 laps into a race, if you will, either. Yeah, I mean, the the biggest thing Mercedes has been able to hang their hat on for the last, you, you know, essentially they, they've been back in Formula 1 for a little more than a decade, so for their last, you know, decade of being a Formula 1 works team has been reliability. They have been, you know, absolutely bulletproof essentially when it comes to their car i think uh as far as mechanical failures go since 2014 lewis hamilton has had two mechanical failures excuse me mechanical failures he had one in abu dhabi last year uh but his other dnfs were uh you know uh Excuse me, a, a collision with Max or a collision with Fernando Alonso. Uh, you know, I think it, he's gone a hundred or so races with only one mechanical failure. And essentially on the other side of the garage, you know, whether it's Valtteri or George, same thing. So is this a one-off? Uh, I don't know for sure exactly what, what the issue was. It seemed to be definitely some kind of fuel leak involved the way the flames were coming out of the back of the car. Um, so it, it was definitely a race of extremes because did they have the pace of Max Verstappen? No. Ten, ten seconds off. But they were pressured by Fernando Alonso the entire race. And uh, Lewis didn't falter. Really had his his wits about him. Uh, you know, they were able to take the lead from Max twice. And... You know, I, I think there's there's a positive side to the performance and a little bit of negative with the reliability. And there's still updates and upgrades that, that they're going to bring in time for Baku. So, um, you know, I expect them to be still second or third fastest. But, uh, you know, Baku is, is tough on cars. So you, you definitely need to be able to uh, lean on the power unit pretty hard there. And if there's any time to have an issue with your car, it's nice to have at least a month until the next race to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. You can fix anything, right? Um, but I, you know, at, with Aston Martin finishing 3-4 today, that's very good for them. Um, it, you know, uh, Red Bull finishing 1-5. Uh, if we're looking at Mercedes... Not challenging Red Bull this year, probably, but keeping pace with Aston Martin, not necessarily great. Um, the, the pace was there, and they seem to be finding a little bit more pace and maybe with more to come, but a little bit of dropout here and there is enough to set you behind uh, Aston Martin. Yeah. I'm, uh, so, yeah. yeah let, let's talk about Aston Martin. Obviously, great race from Fernando. Uh, I think, you know, you certainly expect him to perform very well in this race. And I think we were a little surprised he didn't quite have the qualifying pace. Um, you know, he had been putting it awfully close to the front row, if not pole, the previous races, and just, you know, was only able to pull out P4. I think he was surprised to finish behind both Mercedes in qualifying. Um, but he was able to maintain third essentially the entire race. Obviously, at the end, he got clipped from Carlos, but they reset the order. He got to keep his third. Um, but it was it was deserved, just like last week was a deserved third place. Uh, this week, the same. Lance, Lance was a very lucky boy. Uh, <laughs> obviously, uh, collecting Charles in the first lap, surviving without any damage, surviving without a penalty. 
and then in the second red flag restart with all the chaos uh turn three he also kind of locked up and went straight into the gravel and he was sitting in 11th or 12th before they decided to reshuffle the order back so he was very fortuitous to find himself back in fourth place well we know that in a little bit of luck right some didn't have it today and it killed them and you know you need luck to be good sometimes and uh you know lance gets a little bit of lucky here and there but uh for me yeah fernando um you know, I thought better, you know, for him. They've been picking up pace. Uh, I thought they would continue to do so in Australia. And it just seems, you know, I'd be very curious, though, Steve, today, uh, had George been able to stay on the track, you know, without the issues, um, would we have seen Mercedes 2-3, right? And uh, as opposed to, you know, jockeying with position with Aston Martin, that they were the ones that had better pace in this race as a team collectively. Yeah, I mean, it's it's super interesting to think about that first red flag from Alex Albon kind of bouncing off the wall, throwing all the gravel onto the track. That's the red that's the red flag that caught out uh, George Russell because he, he was able to get that safety car pit stop early. And, you know, because he was he was in front of Lewis, so he gets priority on when to pit. They didn't want to double stack and cost time, so... George went in, got to go on to hard tires early. Lewis, you know, got to stay out. And uh, Lewis, you know, said said that put him at a disadvantage. But then he got gifted a red flag. So he got to come in and do a tire change for free. And George was down in eighth. And he quickly moved up to fifth place before his engine failure. So he was kind of on a charge. It'd be, you know, interesting to think about if that red flag didn't happen. And, you know, Lewis and Fernando, the guys who stayed out, you know, had to make a pit under green flag conditions. I, you know, I, I at times think that George is a better, at least currently, right now he's a better match against Max in this Mercedes car than Lewis is. So I feel like he'd been able to put up a bigger fight. I mean, I don't think he ultimately would have been able to keep him you know, behind him because the the Red Bull in a straight line is so much faster. They they pass people like they're standing still. But I, I think we got robbed of, you know, the opportunity to see what George could have done in this race. Yeah, which is a shame. I will jump over to McLaren because golly boys. Gotta talk it's about nice, McLaren. It's nice to see it. Um uh, we won't get too deep because we have predictions to make up here later in the in the show. But we... the team the team as a whole is off the Schneid. Right, um, you know, and so much so that they've jumped up significantly from the bottom feeders to the top, right? Uh, to to the you know to right into the mix of that middle tier, right? Yeah, they were and, tenth. Yeah, out of ten. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's nice when you get two of your boys in the in the points, right? Especially when one of them's a rookie, and um, in front of the home crowd, no less. Uh, so a sixth and an eighth goes really far, especially with the way it's been so scattered. One of the benefits or maybe downsides of so many teams and so many drivers getting at least one point this far into the season is that no one's really accumulated or run away. So having a really good race can have you jump up, you know, pretty far. Yeah, uh, so you same can get thing that far with behind. Right. You, you know, because uh, McLaren jumped up five spots in one race, and now they only sit 24 points behind Ferrari for fourth. Uh, so a, a bad Ferrari race and a good McLaren race, they could move up another spot. Now all of a sudden they're a top four team. So th- right. things, and, things happen fast this early in the season. And what's funny is as bad as we were throwing dirt on McLaren in the first two races because they look bad. And we're just disappointed with Ferrari's inability to keep up with the upper tier. Ferrari, if, in, in hindsight, Ferrari's, you know... if we should maybe be throwing more dirt on Ferrari. I mean, like, I mean, but again, that's, that's reactionary. It's only three races in, but you know, McLaren one race gets that far close. You know, they're within a race, a one bad race of getting back into fourth place when everyone was like, God, man, uh, maybe, maybe they're one of the worst teams on the track. It's amazing how bad McLaren's gotten. Uh, so it's just, uh, your your tur- your chances can uh, can turn that quickly and uh, down under in the Australian outback, right? Uh, and uh, I'm sure it's much appreciated um, by Zach and the gang over there at McLaren. Yeah, I mean, I, to your point, I think we're talking about uh, 
expectations versus what they're delivering. Obviously, our expectations for Ferrari were much higher than what we expected out of McLaren this year. And we we should absolutely be more disappointed in what Ferrari's been able to turn out. Um, you know, yeah, McLaren looked bad. They looked like the worst team. They looked like they... Uh, uh, they they looked like they were a brand new team who hadn't raced in Formula One before, but Ferrari, who should be competing for race wins, you know, ha- haven't even sniffed out a podium yet. And you know, it, it's just it's, it's very interesting to see. And yeah. again, Cause, in cause... fairness <laughs> about expectations, Ferrari would have agreed with all of us about we have better expectations for us too. It's not like we're heaping unfair expectations. They're, those are on them. They expected to compete for championships with this this two-team uh, paddock here and with also with their growth last year and changing their uh, team principle, all of that in the offseason for better than this. Right. I don't think, I don't think we definitely had Charles Leclerc 10th in the standings behind Lando Norris, and Nico Hulkenberg at this point of the season. Hey, so let's jump over to Haas. Nico, hey, welcome Nico. to the points. You know what? I, I tell you what. Uh, obviously, Nico has been phenomenal in qualifying. And he he dunked on his teammate this week. Absolutely dunked on Kevin Magnuson. You know, Kevin had such a strong year last year. I think everyone was kind of expecting him to kind of build on that. Um, but I mean, he kind of like, he out qualified him by almost like eight tenths and he got into Q3. So strong already started in the top 10 finished in the top 10. Uh, meanwhile, Magnuson's crashing by himself in 13th place. Like it, it could not have been more stark. It, it seemed like a, like George Russell, Nicholas Latifi teammate comparison this week. And I love Kevin <laughs> Magnuson, but oh my God, he pulled such a Latifi this week. Right. And you not, know, not to mention like causing a crash in a late race and getting a safety car restart. But you know, your, just, your favorite, he goes, is what we always say is if we need this, we need some late crash to, to bunch up this race. We always say, where's Nicholas Latifi? Uh, we love you, Nicholas. It's just, it just seems to happen to you more than that than other people, but yeah, enjoy some uh, Nutella on us. Yeah. Uh, Nico, you know, I have a long-term prediction for this season. I need another race like this to throw a little bit of chaos. Um, you don't but, know, like, even how close you came. Right? I know. So, I'm just uh, close. I'm just, I'm close. I'm close. I said Nico is going to break through and get on the podium for the first time this year in this Haas. And uh, I almost got it uh, this race. Coming uh, out of that uh, red flag restart. And the Alpines taking themselves out, and Signs taking out Alonso. Hulkenberg found himself in fourth, behind Carlos Signs. So if they had let the order stay and not reset the order, and then also applied that five-second penalty to Carlos Signs, Hulkenberg would have finished third with his first podium. And I think that would have been appropriate for Nico to have it happen that way because it should seem by technicality that he gets one. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. But uh, nothing aside from anything, the great race by Nico. I hope there's more in your future. Um, I always root for Nico. I do. I, it just seems a shame. He's such a professional driver, and he I like him, and he's a good guy. And you just you, you hate that a guy who's had some level of success and he's had some good days here and there has just missed out on the podium and the whole large, you know, long of his career. You don't want to be that guy. It's like Susan Lucci, you know, missing out on an Emmy for all those times. You're like, this just doesn't seem right, right? I mean, you know, clo- closing in on 200 races, and you know, it's just not a record you want to have as being the the person who's been the longest without that, you know, one statistic, that one modicum of success of saying like, you know what, I at least finished in the top three once. Um. But yeah, tantalizingly close. As long as he keeps putting himself in the top ten in qualifying, and keeps his nose clean, which you know he wasn't able to do the first two races, but ultimately he did. Uh, you know this race. Um, you know he he's got a shot. He does need some help because that car is not the third, fourth fastest car. But um, yeah, it's it's nice to see him up there at the sharp end. 
Right. Eight cars not finishing the race is definitely a good start to get the Haas <laughs> up in there and the, the on the podium. But yeah, so let's shift to our predictions well, I, and how we did. I think we, we, we definitely have to talk about Alpine. Okay. Because we only kind of touched on it. But, uh, you know... Li- <laughs> My predictions did not include Alpine taking right. each other out this week. No, but but leave it to the two French drivers to decide to go on strike and not finish the race. <laughs> uh, so after the race, uh, you know, everyone was essentially saying all the right things to the media. I think Pierre was very, very, very upset. He didn't necessarily let on to, to why. Initially, when I saw it, I felt like he got word from the stewards that he was going to get you know, those points on his license and ultimately have to miss the race in Baku uh, when we go racing again in a month. Um, but I think ultimately he was just really mad at himself because he was driving a phenomenal race. He was there in fifth for a long time. He was keeping pace with Fernando Alonso in... Uh, you know, very fast Aston Martin. He was holding off people. Uh, just a, a really solid race. And threw it all away in a sloppy restart. Taking out his teammate in the process who was also running in the points. Uh, Esteban was, you know, very gracious. Considering, like, the, the, the amount of, you know, uh, force he took in his hit. You know, it was kind of like, you know, it happens. You know, I'm, I'm not upset or anything. Kind of, like, really trying to squash it. But... I mean, race three, you're both in the points. You you know these guys have a history. You you don't want to see them come together like this and just like, oh, man, is that going to set the table for a while? It's uh, definitely interesting always when you see teammates take each other out, right? We've uh, – it seems to be a Ferrari staple for past couple of years, but it's, it's nice to see it spread to other teams, I guess. Um, I – I always root for Pierre. I always have. I, you know, I felt like he got a raw deal, and uh, when he jumped up to the Red Bull, and I liked how he bounced back when he got backed off Atari. But I, it's um, th- this guy feels like he's a top tier racer, and I feel like he sometimes gets held back a little bit by this team. And you know, I don't know if it's a point of frustration for him. He's pushing too much, and it maybe causes on on track issues. Um, uh, you know. Uh, kind of drive like a man possessed and you end up with a, uh, a few points on your license maybe at this point. So He's he's at the absolute limit. He can't afford another one. Um, like Even the team tried to manipulate a way for him to have his like record clear when he moved over to Alpine and, and you know, the FIA was not buying it. So he, he can't afford to have mistakes like that, not just for his own race or his team's race, but, you know, for, uh, his, his penalty points. And it's, um, it's just an interesting point in the season where we get to see, uh, what these teams do with a month off. Right. Right. It's, uh, some of these teams that are just kind of floundering a little bit, are they going to find that extra oomph? Are they going to make those changes just yet? Are they on the path? Those teams that are looking to figure some things out, move on. Are they going to do stuff? Uh, will someone go in there and throw a monkey wrench into whatever Red Bull's doing? Who knows, right? Yeah. <laughs> At this point, we we have to sit on our hands for a month and, and wait for uh, for Baku, right? Yep. So there, there was uh, five drivers in this race who picked up their first points uh, of the year. Lando Norris, Nico Hulkenberg, Oscar Piastri, Joe Guanyu, uh, and Yuki Sonoda. So now all officially on the board for this year. Uh, so you know, Alpha Tauri gets the first points. Alpha Romeo picked up their, their second set of points. Um, and McLaren got its first points. I'm sorry? McLaren got its first points. Yeah, McLaren got its first points and from both drivers. So we're just waiting on uh, Logie Bear and Nick DeVries. To, right, uh, but I mean, uh, you wouldn't expect rookies to have points three races into the season. Um, so it's not surprising uh, so much. Uh, it's good to see most of the, but again, it's good to see most of the field. And there's no reason to think that uh, Nick or Logan can't pull out some points here this season. Um, you know, uh, Miami coming up here soon. Maybe Logan gets a little bit of the hometown juice like Oscar did, right? Well, yeah, I was, I was about to say, he's he's got... 
one race before they go to Miami, his home race. Um, you know, we, we would love to see him get points there in front of the hometown crowd. You know, we talked about, uh, you know, before, like what, what are the odds of someone winning a home race this year? Australia's crossed out. So, you know, and, and, you know, that's, that's a very home race for Oscar cause he's from nearby picked up points, but no win. Uh, next up is Logan to see if he can win a home Grand Prix. So, you know, fingers crossed. <laughs> there are definitely some long shots early in the season. Um, so I no, uh, I wanted to see him getting handed a helmet by Dan Marino at the end of the race. I mean, it, it'd be very interesting if he could get on a podium. It might there. just be by the trailers, like at eight o'clock at night and not on the podium, but it might. Yeah, happen. It's like, look, kid, if you want one, I'll give you one. You don't have to win. Don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting, but yeah, speaking of our predictions, uh, how did we do scorekeeper? Well, big story of the, the whole race was having essentially four red flags because after the race even ended, Hulkenberg just parked it on the side of the road and the red flag came out again post race. (laughs) So we had four red flags. You said there just needed to be one. So points for you for predicting a red flag. I said there'd be two last week. I didn't get any. You had four in this race alone, plus one in qualifying, plus two in practice. I I figured with the one happening in um, practice that we were set up to have at least one on the track. I didn't feel like they'd figure it out with some of the things that they were doing. I didn't think it'd be that bad. But again, with the race officials just throwing out red flags for what is typically yellows, I mean, I should have bet for more. Yeah. I, like I said, you should have just done points per red flag, and I think you would have just run away with this competition, much like <laughs> Max already in, in week three. Right. <clears throat> so point to you there. I said Lewis would not advance out of Q2. He would not make it into Q3. I was wrong, uh, and then he had a phenomenal race on top of it just to dunk on me, so that was fun. <laughs> but I, honestly, I, I could not be more happier about being wrong Anytime Lewis is up there fighting in the front. Uh, happy days. So no points, but a happy Steven. <laughs> uh, next up, we both predicted that Oscar would get his first points at his home race, and we were both right. I know it felt good. That felt I just good. felt like the right. It felt like the right one to make this week. Um, and and it went back and forth a couple of times because he was sitting there in in tenth, eleventh, twelfth for a while. Um, you know he got passed by Alcon, then you know got a position back and lost a position. Um, uh, and then he was a big winner <laughs> in that melee because he had two Alpines and a Ferrari in front of him. And then two Alpines took each other out, and the Ferrari got penalized, and then boom, now I'm in eighth, getting points at home. Yeah, he didn't even get a cheapie in tenth. He actually got up into the points. Yeah, like decently into the points. Like, uh, you know, that's rarefied air for the McLarens at this point. Uh, And then we went to uh, predictions on on who would finish in the front. Uh, You said uh, Fernando would win, and Max and Checo behind him. Uh, You had... Fernando and Max correctly on the podium in the wrong order. Checo, obviously you did not know beforehand that he would completely uh, blow qualifying. In fairness, when I made that prediction, he was not going to end up starting the race in 20th. So I would have calibrated differently, but he almost still made me right, at least getting into the podium. And, um, you know, I always will root for Checo from the back of the field. I don't think there's, uh, there's not a, a, maybe one or two drivers maybe better than Checo and racing from the back and making that car competitive no matter what he's in. During that kind of tire conservation section of the race where everyone's just trying to make it to the end because they feel like this there's not going to be any more stops and this is the tire I had to finish the race on. And, um, it, you know, it was, it was also kind of phenomenal to see that everybody was doing essentially the same lap time, no matter what car, what team. Uh, sometimes Carlos Sainz in, in fifth was the fastest car. Sometimes it was Max Lute. Like, they were trading on and off fastest laps between, like, first and sixth place. 
Um, so like having 10 different teams spending millions of dollars with different car concepts and they can still get their cars within half a second of each other is, is a phenomenal feat of engineering and design to me. Um, but ultimately cars running that close together at the same speed without passing can get a little tedious, but thankfully, uh, Checo was just sending it. Uh, those fast left, right chicane of, uh, turns of, of nine and 10 were like, that is not typically an overtaking place. Uh, he, he dove down the inside of a couple people. He, he was making, uh, overtakes on unorthodox places on the track. Uh, he definitely added like a spark of life and otherwise kind of lull in the action. And yet not enough to get Ryan correct points, <laughs> but, well, uh, I che- still love you, Checo. Thank you <laughs> for making a race a little bit more fun. Checo did play into my final prediction, which was I said only one Red Bull driver would be on the podium. And because he had to start from the pit lane, uh, Max was the only Red Bull driver on the podium. So point to me. Uh, So thanks for that. And thank you for providing entertainment. Uh, So currently after three races, two of which we actually had predictions for, uh, it is three and a half points to me. And... We'll say two and a half points to Ryan. I'll, I'll give him a half point for getting most of the podium right, but uh, Fair we'll, enough. We'll, we'll do three and a half to two and a half now. Uh, this point of the race, a lot, lot of time left, a lot of crazy predictions up here. I, I want to make crazier and crazier predictions, uh, just for the sheer fact of uh, having a little bit of chaos. That and the officials will probably try to rise to meet you, Steve. I, I can only hope. <laughs> Well, if there's any time to end the race, is that uh, trashing the officials one last time. We will not be leaving you for the next few weeks, even though F1 will be, at least on the schedule. You are listening to the Red, White, and Blue Flags F1 podcast. I'm Ryan Vasquez. I'm Steve McNally. Thank you so much for spending your time with us. You can follow us wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time across the line. <laughs> <laughs>